welcome to Biblical Tapestry. Today we'll be into episode 7 out of 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be talking about being confident and ready. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode 7, John reminds us of the wonderful nature of God's love of which we are granted the privilege of being his children. All right, if you would turn to 1 John chapter 3, look at verses 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, he will be like him. We will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So back to verse 1. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. So I have a question. How do we as Christians derive our self-worth? God demonstrates his love for us and calls us his children. Look at this verse again. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. The Greek word for what great or how great, potapen, is an an adjective always implying astonishment. Always implying astonishment. In other words, look and realize the amazing love of God. This is a call of astonishment, wonder, and amazement. God's love is foreign to the human mind and creates this amazement when we properly reflect on it. God's love is divine in nature and only originates from the Father. This love transforms lives for the recipients. Donald Burdick in his commentary states, God loves the sinner not because he is drawn to him by his lovableness, but because in spite of man's unloveliness, God set his mind and will on seeking man's highest good. That is what is amazing about God's love. Now, this is an active love seeking to bring sinners into God's family. The word given is just that. The love of God cannot be earned or purchased but given freely and cannot be withdrawn. The divine nature of God's love then becomes a part of us permanently and abidingly, and again, a free gift. God's love provides the title that we can be called children of God, but but as John tells us, that is what we are not in title only, but actually are God's children. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In Galatians 3.25, But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, we are members of God's family. We are divine progeny by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The world does not recognize this adoption. The world, again, being an evil humanistic system that dominates our society and rejects and opposes God, the children of God are radically different from the children of this world because we have different fathers. In John fifteen eighteen, it says, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have loved you as its own. However, because you're not of the world but I have chosen you out of it. The world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled, they hated me for no reason. We are God's children because he chose us. We are God's children because we accept him. Verse 2 of 1 John 3 says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The word for dear friends in Greek is agapetoi, which I probably obliterated, but it can be rendered beloved. This would be dear friends beloved children of God. Children of God is the here and now, but something about what we will be is still yet to be revealed. The future state of God's children will even be more extraordinary. John does not fully understand it as it is not fully revealed to him, but knows that we will be like him with a resurrected body, and we will see God as he is, as he states in this verse. In 1 Corinthians 15.35, that someone will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, to each of his seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. 
There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Certainly, a resurrected body is not the same as God's, but the type shown to us of a resurrected body like Jesus Christ. We're not going to be little gods, but similar to Christ in holiness, a resurrected body. We will have a face-to-face encounter coming with our risen Lord, and that will complete the glorification process as we are transformed to be like Him. In Philippians 3 verse 12, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Are you doing okay spiritually? Are there signs in your life that God is making a difference? Are you walking in obedience as we have discussed the last few podcasts? Is obedience to God important to you and something you want more than anything else? Do we have the sense that John talks about, that you are God's child and that you belong to him? 1 John 3, verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Why is John writing about the second coming of Christ? Well, he gets to that here in this verse. Our final state has an ethical and moral component for the present, says Daniel Aiken. And he says here again, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Being born of God brings with it a hope for a future and defines the present way of life in living a life of purity. And this is without exception. The believer's hope is founded upon Christ Jesus and creates hope and security for the future. Christ is our full foundation as believers. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. We know it is the blood of Christ shed on Calvary that purified us, that we can be saved because of that grace shed, blood shed for us and that grace from God. The purifying himself mentioned by John in this verse is the actions taken by believers to purify themselves from moral darkness and sin. This is the action taken to live a life of purity before God, actions we need to take. 
And 2 Corinthians 7, 1, So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in 1 Peter 1.22, Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart, love one another constantly, because you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. Being saved by the grace of God is an actionable relationship that requires us to pursue purity and holiness as we wait for Jesus' return. We must remain close to Christ who is wholly pure. Let's look at verses 4-6 through six of 1 John 3. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has, been, has not seen him or known him. John now wants to show us that being a child of God is incompatible with the practice of sin. Verse 4 again says, Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. No one is excluded in this verse. There is no elite group above God's moral standards. Certainly, we all still sin against God's standards, but the issue here is a commitment of habitual willful actions to miss the mark God intended for us. The Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means exactly that, to miss the mark. This is an intentional breaking of God's moral standards. This lawlessness is a willful rebellion and choice to directly violate God's laws. This is a direct offense to the known will of God. The false teachers that John was confronting were demonstrating this exact willful rebellion against God. Sin is the very opposite of righteousness. Verse 5 says, You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. The very reason why the children of God are to strive for purity is what Christ has already done for us. Christ was revealed for the world. Yes, we celebrate his birth, but God brought him into the world at just the right time. This implies the pre-existent eternal nature of Christ coming to earth at just the right time for the salvation salvation of mankind. Jeremiah announced this coming in Jeremiah 33, 14. Look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David, and he will administer justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is what she will be named, the Lord is our righteousness. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. First John 3, verse 6, Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. So we conclude today's episode with 1 John 3, 6. Since we are to pattern our lives after Christ, then naturally we should remain in him and not live a life of sin. Children of God will still miss the mark, surely but we will not be engrossed and immersed in a pattern of deliberate rebellion. If so, then the realization is that that person has not seen or known the salvation of Jesus Christ if they remain immersed in sin. A believer will not be living a life characterized by sin. We know where to turn when the indwelling Spirit of God convicts us of our behavior. In 1 John 1, 5 that we studied before, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So a genuine believer will not live in continuous sin. D. Smith writes, The believer may fall into sin, but he will not walk in it. The child of God has experienced a decisive break with sin, and sin no longer controls his life. Next episode 8, we will observe 1 John 3, be righteous and do not sin. God bless you and have a blessed day. I pray that you have that close abiding relationship with our Creator and Savior and rely upon Him.